Chapter Three, Part One of the General History of the Pirates, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rain. The General History of the Pirates, Volume One by Charles Johnson. Chapter Three, Part One. Of Captain Teach, alias Blackbeard. Edward Teach was a Bristol man born, but had sailed some time out of Jamaica in privateers in the late French War. Yet though he had often distinguished himself for his uncommon boldness and personal courage, he was never raised to any command till he went a pirating, which I think was at the latter end of the year 1716, when Captain Benjamin Hornigold put him into a sloop that he had made prize of and with whom he continued in consortship till a little while before Hornigold surrendered. In the spring of the year 1717, Teach and Hornigold sailed from Providence for the Maine of America, and took in their way a billet from the Havana, with 120 barrels of flour, as also a sloop from Bermuda, Thurbar Master, from whom they took only some gallons of wine and then let him go, and a ship from Madeira to South Carolina, out of which they got plunder to a considerable value. After cleaning on the coast of Virginia, they returned to the West Indies, and in the latitude of twenty-four made a prize of a large French guinea-man bound to Martinico, which by Hornigold's consent Teach went aboard of as captain and took a cruise in her. Hornigold returned with his sloop to Providence, where at the arrival of Captain Rogers, the governor, he surrendered to mercy, pursuant to the king's proclamation. Aboard of this guinea-man Teach mounted forty guns, and named her the Queen Anne's Revenge, and cruising near the island of St. Vincent, took a large ship called the Great Allen, Christopher Taylor Commander. The pirates plundered her of what they thought fit, put all the men ashore upon the island above mentioned, and then set fire to the ship. A few days after, Teach fell in with the Scarborough man-of-war, of thirty guns, who engaged him for some hours, but she, finding the pirate well-manned, and having tried her strength, gave over the engagement, and returned to Barbados, the place of her station, and Teach sailed towards the Spanish America. In his way he met with a pirate sloop of ten guns, commanded by one Major Bonnet, lately a gentleman of good reputation and estate in the island of Barbados, whom he joined. But in a few days after, Teach, finding that Bonnet knew nothing of a maritime life, with the consent of his own men, put in another captain, one Richards, to command Bonnet's sloop, and took the Major on board his own ship, telling him that, as he had not been used to the fatigue and care of such a post, it would be better for him to decline it, and live easy and at his pleasure, in such a ship as his, where he should not be obliged to perform duty, but follow his own inclinations. At Turniff, ten leagues short of the Bay of Honduras, the pirates took in fresh water, and while they were at anchor there, they saw a sloop coming in, whereupon Richards and the sloop called the Revenge slipped his cable and run out to meet her, who, upon seeing the black flag hoisted, struck his sail and came to, under the stern of Teach the Commodore. She was called the Adventure from Jamaica, David Harriet Master. They took him and his men aboard the great ship, and sent a number of other hands with Israel Hands, master of Teach's ship, to man the sloop for the piratical account. The ninth of April they weighed from Turniff, having laid there about a week, and sailed to the bay, where they found a ship and four sloops, Three of the latter belonged to Jonathan Bernard of Jamaica, and the other to Captain James. The ship was of Boston, 
called the Protestant Caesar, Captain Wire Commander. Teach hoisted his black colors and fired a gun, upon which Captain Wire and all his men left their ship and got ashore in their boat. Teach's quartermaster and eight of his crew took possession of Wire's ship, and Richards secured all the sloops, one of which they burnt out of spite to the owner. The Protestant Caesar they also burnt, after they had plundered her, because she belonged to Boston, where some men had been hanged for piracy, and the three sloops belonging to Bernard they let go. From hence the rovers sailed to Turkhill, and then to the Grand Caymans, a small island about thirty leagues to the westward of Jamaica, where they took a small turtler, and so to the Havana, and from thence to the Bahama wrecks, and from the Bahama wrecks they sailed to Carolina, taking a brigantine and two sloops in their way, where they lay off the bar of Charlestown for five or six days. They took here a ship as she was coming out, bound for London, commanded by Robert Clark, with some passengers on board for England. The next day they took another vessel coming out of Charlestown, and also two pinks coming into Charlestown, likewise a brigantine with fourteen negroes aboard, all which being done in the face of the town, struck a great terror to the whole province of Carolina, having just before been visited by Vane, another notorious pirate, that they abandoned themselves to despair, being in no condition to resist their force. They were eight sail in the harbor ready for the sea, but none dared to venture out, it being almost impossible to escape their hands. The inward-bound vessels were under the same unhappy dilemma, so that the trade of this place was totally interrupted. What made these misfortunes heavier to them was a long expensive war the colony had had with the natives, which was but just ended when these robbers infested them. Teach detained all the ships and prisoners, and being in want of medicines, resolves to demand the chest from the government of the province. Accordingly, Richards, the captain of the Revenge Sloop, with two or three more pirates, were sent up along with Mr. Marks, one of the prisoners, whom they had taken in Clark's ship, and very insolently made their demands, threatening that if they did not send immediately the chest of medicines, and let the pirate ambassadors return without offering any violence to their persons, they would murder all their prisoners, send up their heads to the governor, and set the ships they had taken on fire. Whilst Mr. Marks was making application to the council, Richards and the rest of the pirates walked the streets publicly, in the sight of all people, who were fired with the utmost indignation, looking upon them as robbers and murderers, and particularly the authors of their wrongs and oppressions, but durst not so much as think of executing their revenge, for fear of bringing more calamities upon themselves, and so they were forced to let the villains pass with impunity. The government were not long in deliberating upon the message, though twas the greatest affront that could have been put upon them, yet for the saving so many men's lives, among them Mr. Samuel Wragg, one of the council, they complied with the necessity, and sent aboard a chest, valued at between three and four hundred pounds, and the pirates went back safe to their ships. Blackbeard, for so Teach was generally called, as we shall hereafter show, as soon as he had received the medicines and his brother rogues, let go the ships and the prisoners, having first taken out of them in gold and silver about fifteen hundred pounds sterling, besides provisions and other matters. From the bar of Charlestown they sailed to North Carolina, Captain Teach and the ship which they called the Man of War, Captain Richards and Captain Hands and the sloops, which they termed privateers, and another sloop serving them as a tender. Teach began now to think of breaking up the company, and securing the money and the best of the effects for himself, and some others of his companions he had most friendship for, and to cheat the rest. Accordingly, on pretense of running into Topsail Inlet to clean, 
he grounded his ship, and then, as if it had been done undesignedly and by accident, he orders Hans's sloop to come to his assistance and get him off again, which he, endeavoring to do, ran the sloop on shore near the other, and so were both lost. This done, Teach goes into the tender sloop with forty hands and leaves the revenge there, then takes seventeen others and maroons them upon a small sandy island about a league from the main, where there was neither bird, beast, or herb for their subsistence, and where they must have perished if Major Bonnet had not, two days later, taken them off. Teach goes up to the governor of North Carolina with about twenty of his men, surrenders to His Majesty's proclamation, and receives certificates thereof from His Excellency. But it did not appear that their submitting to this pardon was from any reformation of manners, but only to wait a more favorable opportunity to play the same game over again, which he soon after effected with greater security to himself and with much better prospect of success, having in this time cultivated a very good understanding with Charles Eden, Esquire, the governor above mentioned. The first piece of service this kind governor did to Blackbeard was to give him a right to the vessel which he had taken when he was a pirating in the great ship called the Queen Anne's Revenge, for which purpose a court of vice-admiralty was held at Bathtown, and though Teach had never any commission in his life, and the sloop belonging to the English merchants, and taken in time of peace, yet was she condemned as a prize taken from the Spaniards by the said Teach. These proceedings show that governors are but men. Before he sailed upon his adventures, he married a young creature of about sixteen years of age, the governor performing the ceremony. As it is a custom to marry here by a priest, so it is there by a magistrate. And this, I have been informed, made Teach's fourteenth wife, whereof about a dozen might still be living. His behavior in this state was something extraordinary, for while his sloop lay in Ocracoke Inlet, and he assured a plantation where his wife lived, with whom, after he had lain all night, it was his custom to invite five or six of his brutal companions to come ashore, and he would force her to prostitute herself to them all, one after another, before his face. In June 1718 he went to sea upon another expedition, and steered his course toward Bermudas. He met with two or three English vessels in his way, but robbed them only of provisions, stores, and other necessities for his present expense. But near the island aforementioned he fell in with two French ships. One of them was loaden with sugar and cocoa, and the other light, both bound to Martinico. The ship that had no lading he let go, and putting all the men of the loaded ship aboard her, he brought home the other with her cargo to North Carolina, where the governor and the pirates shared the plunder. When Teach and his prize arrived, he and four of his crew went to his excellency and made affidavit that they found the French ship at sea, without a soul on board her, and then a court was called and the ship condemned. The governor had sixty hogsheads of sugar for his dividend, and one Mr. Knight, who was his secretary and collector for the province, twenty, and the rest was shared among the other pirates. The business was not yet done, the ship remained, and it was possible one or other might come into the river that might be acquainted with her, and so discover the roguery. But Teach thought of a contrivance to prevent this, for upon a pretense that she was leaky and that she might sink, and so stop up the mouth of the inlet or cove where she lay, he obtained an order from the governor to bring her out into the river and set her on fire, which was accordingly executed, and she was burnt down to the water's edge, her bottom sunk, and with it their fears of her ever rifing in judgment against them. Captain Teach, alias Blackbeard, passed three or four months in the river, sometimes lying at anchor in the coves, at other times sailing from one inlet to another, 
trading with such sloops as he met for the plunder he had taken, and would often give them presents for stores and provisions took from them. That is, when he happened to be in a giving humor. At other times he made bold with them and took what he liked, without saying, By your leave, knowing well they dared not send him a bill for the payment. He often diverted himself with going ashore among the planters, where he reveled night and day. By these he was well received, but whether out of love or fear I cannot say. Sometimes he used them courteously enough, and made them presents of rum and sugar in recompense of what he took from them. But as for liberties, which tis said he and his companions often took with the wives and daughters of the planters, I cannot take upon me to say whether he paid them ad valorem or no. At other times he carried it in a lordly manner towards them, and would lay some of them under contribution. Nay, he often proceeded to bully the governor, not that I can discover the least cause of quarrel betwixt them, but it seemed only to be done to shew he dared do it. The sloops trading up and down this river, being so frequently pillaged by Blackbeard, consulted with the traders and some of the best planters what course to take. They saw plainly it would be in vain to make any application to the governor of North Carolina, to whom it properly belonged to find some redress, so that if they could not be relieved from some other quarter, Blackbeard would be like to reign with impunity. Therefore, with as much secrecy as possible, they sent a deputation to Virginia to lay the affair before the governor of that colony, and to solicit an armed force from the men of war lying there, to take or destroy this pirate. This governor consulted with the captains of the two men of war, viz. the Pearl and Lime, who had lain in St. James's River about ten months. It was agreed that the governor should hire a couple of small sloops, and the men of war should man them. This was accordingly done, and the command of them given to Mr. Robert Maynard, first lieutenant of the Pearl, an experienced officer and a gentleman of great bravery and resolution, as will appear by his gallant behavior in this expedition. The sloops were well manned and furnished with ammunition and small arms, but had no guns mounted. About the time of their going out, the governor called an assembly in which it was resolved to publish a proclamation, offering certain rewards to any person or persons who, within a year after that time, should take or destroy any pirate. The original proclamation being in our hands is as follows. By His Majesty's Lieutenant Governor and Commander-in-Chief of the Colony and Dominion of Virginia, a proclamation, publishing the rewards given for apprehending or killing pirates. Whereas, by an act of assembly, made at a session of assembly begun at the Capitol in Williamsburg, the 11th day of November, in the fifth year of His Majesty's reign, entitled, An Act to Encourage the Apprehending and Destroying of Pirates. It is, amongst other things enacted, that all and every person or persons who, from and after the fourteenth day of November, in the year of our Lord, one thousand seven hundred and eighteen, and before the fourteenth day of November, which shall be in the year of our Lord, one thousand seven hundred and nineteen, shall take any pirate or pirates on the sea or land, or in case of resistance shall kill any such pirate or pirates, between the degrees of thirty-four and thirty-nine of northern latitude, and within one hundred leagues of the continent of Virginia, or within the provinces of Virginia or North Carolina, upon the conviction or making due proof of the killing of all and every such pirate and pirates, before the governor and council, shall be entitled to have and receive out of the public money in the hands of the treasurer of this colony, the several rewards following. That is to say, for Edward Teach, commonly called Captain Teach, or Blackbeard, one hundred pounds. 
For every other commander of a pirate ship, sloop, or vessel, 40 pounds. For every lieutenant, master, or quartermaster, boatswain, or carpenter, 20 pounds. For every other inferior officer, 15 pounds. And for every private man taken on board such ship, sloop, or vessel, 10 pounds. And that for every pirate, which shall be taken by any ship, sloop, or vessel belonging to this colony, or North Carolina, within the time aforesaid, in any place whatsoever, the like rewards shall be paid according to the quality and condition of such pirates. Wherefore, for the encouragement of all such persons as shall be willing to serve His Majesty and their country in so just and honorable an undertaking, as the suppressing a sort of people who may be truly called enemies to mankind, I have thought fit, with the advice and consent of His Majesty's Council, to issue this proclamation, hereby declaring the said rewards shall be punctually and justly paid, in current money of Virginia, according to the directions of said act. And I do order and appoint this proclamation to be published by the sheriffs at their respective county houses, and by all ministers and readers in the several churches and chapels throughout this colony. Given at our council chamber at Williamsburg, this 24th day of November, 1718, in the fifth year of His Majesty's reign. God save the King. A. Spotswood End of Chapter 3, Part 1